When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in. Hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I hope you guys are having fantastic starts to your hump days, wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. We've had two really good hours of the program already. Want to reiterate for those of you who are just joining us now, our thanks to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Buck and I had dinner with him last night in the governor's mansion in Tallahassee. Fantastic to discuss a variety of issues with him. He was on the show yesterday. Encourage you to go listen to that on the podcast. We talked a lot about the craziness that is coming out of Disney uh, in the wake of the parental rights bill that was passed in Florida and the massive overreaction including the labeling of that bill, Don't Say Gay. We've talked a lot about what's going on with Hunter Biden, the Washington Post, and CNN suddenly acknowledging that the laptop is real and that Hunter Biden faces potentially significant criminal consequences as a result. Where are we headed in that regard? Uh, But we want to dive into a couple of stories here that are significant. One, we told you this was going to happen. Uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, Supreme Court nominee to replace Stephen Breyer, is going to be confirmed. That was a certainty as soon as Joe Manchin, Democratic governor, uh, Democratic senator from West Virginia, announced that he was going to be supporting her nomination. Then the question became how many Republicans might be willing to vote for her. Susan Collins, who uh, voted for Brett Kavanaugh, really helped to get Brett Kavanaugh across the finish line so that he is on the Supreme Court, and then won an incredibly difficult re-election race that no one expected, by the way, her to win in the state of Maine, has become the first Republican to announce that she will be voting for Katanji Brown-Jackson. Here is what Susan Collins just said in the last hour or so regarding that nomination. I 
met with her for an hour and a half before the hearing, watched much of the hearing, and then I met with her yesterday for an hour. At the conclusion of that extensive review and conversation, I came to the conclusion that she clearly had the credentials, the experience, the qualifications, and the integrity that I look for in a Supreme Court justice. So there is a Republican buck. You predicted three. I think I said Susan Collins to me was the most likely who potentially would flip. Mitt Romney, I would say, is the other one that is kind of there. And then there are other guys that are retiring that might decide to just go ahead. And there's no suspense here, really, but this will be treated as a major story. Yeah, I got to say, I'm surprised at actually how much the Republican senators were willing to push, probe, ask real questions. They... It's a rare moment, but see, I, I admit when I didn't get it exactly as as it was, uh, I had assumed they would go a little bit more gently on this nominee than they did. They pushed, and I think they at least created. Now, it doesn't change the outcome either way, so it's kind of easy to take a vote as a Republican. Well, what, what's the upside for most of the yes. GOP senators of voting in favor of this nominee? There's no upside. There's only downside, unless you're Susan Collins, unless you're a so-called moderate Republican who's uh, maybe up for a tough re-election fight, in which case you you have to look at the political calculations involved here. But the GOP did actually make it easier for those votes to be cast against this nominee insofar as they raised real questions about uh, about judgment and about credibility on certain issues at, when it comes to jurisprudence, specifically on the uh, the child porn sentencing and and a few other areas uh, where they press this nominee uh, pretty hard. I was surprised. Uh, I was surprised at it. Quite honestly, I thought they would. I thought it would be a little bit more like Amy Coney Barrett, where you could tell the left wanted to land something, but they couldn't really come up with it, and so they had to just sort of allow it to go through. Uh, I mean, the Democrat senators this time around, the GOP, they they put up something of a fight. I mean, you could say it was all for show, but they put up something of a fight. I believe we have uh, now let's pivot a bit. Dr. Fauci is back out and he is now circling around. We're going to play his cuts in a minute, but Joe Biden has just spoken. And uh, I want to they've announced, by the way, a fourth booster shot for people who are 50 or over. So you're up to four shots now in the last year if you are keeping track of all that. And by the way, encourage continued encouragement to people who are senior citizens, to people who are not healthy. Those shots, I do believe, are helpful to you. If you are relatively young, if you are relatively healthy, it makes absolutely no sense for you to be concerned about the COVID shot based on the data. Uh, but... Uh, here is Joe Biden. Look, Buck, we've been arguing about this, not arguing, discussing, but arguing as if we were Democrats. What is the pitch that Joe Biden is going to make to try to forestall the red wave that is potentially going to sweep over this country, we believe, in November? Really, there's not much out there he can argue. COVID, he is going to try to argue, and I don't know if the, the, the data is going to allow him to do it, Buck, but he's going to try to argue that he has been successful in beating COVID. Here is Joe Biden just a few minutes ago saying COVID no longer controls our lives. Because of the strategy we executed over the past year on vaccinations, testing, treatments, and more, we're now in a new moment in this pandemic. Does not mean that COVID-19 is over. 
It means that COVID-19 no longer controls our lives. That's what it means. Cases are ticking up as we thought they might. But now, thanks to the foundation we've laid, America has the tools to protect people, all people. And, you know, as we've done from day one, my administration is making it easier than ever for Americans to access these tools. I'm just going to say no. No, this is not what was promised, Clay. Remember, it was very clear. We heard it. It was really the primary rallying cry other than no joke, you know, a bunch of mumbling from Biden. The primary rallying cry of the Biden candidacy was, I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going to shut down the virus. And now what we see more than a year into it is Biden saying, oh, well, we have the tools to better manage the forever reality of covid circulating in our population so let's just start with this is a fail based upon the promise that joe biden made now you and i expected this failure but it is a failure based upon the promise that he made to voters and there's still a lot and we're going to be talking to people that have been right on this whether it's dr marty mccary or friend alex berenson or others in the days ahead they just think they're going to keep rolling out these shots and everyone's going to just keep getting them and you know we're not done with vaccine passports everywhere we're not done with these things it is just a pause and that's why biden's saying we have the tools now they're trying to nor he is trying to normalize in the conversation this call it the apparatus of covid compliance which is just going to be something that we're expected to live with whether it's masking on the planes or getting the shot every fall and getting the card to say you can go into a restaurant and maybe getting a booster and all this stuff This fight, we told you, isn't over, and you're seeing right now, they're getting ready for it again. What about the winter of death ending and nobody even calling Joe Biden on this? Remember, Buck, in December when he put out the official statement and said, if you're unvaccinated, it's going to be a winter of death? And now we're into spring, thankfully, and Joe Biden is just trying to pitch, hey, we beat COVID, hey, we're fine. Um, I don't think it's going to register with the American public. And also... Speaking of which, how about Dr. Fauci? How about Dr. Fauci getting interviewed by the BBC, Buck, and being asked about whether or not lockdowns had any sort of uh, positive impact? And Fauci now has moved on from, and I think this is significant, even if he's not acknowledging the pivot. For a long time, the lockdowners out there, Buck, they argued, oh my goodness, if we hadn't locked down, millions of people would have died. Now they're not even willing to acknowledge that the lockdown was ever the right decision. I believe we have audio. Do we have audio? Yeah, about well, he, he's asked about assessing yeah, this, and it turns out it's a little more complicated than that, he says. Play it. I'm interested in your reluctance to use the word lockdown. Do you think two years on that they were worth it or were they too severe? You know, I don't think we're ever going to be able to determine what the right balance is. I think the restrictions, if you want to use that word, which I tend to shy away from lockdown, this certainly prevented a lot of infections, prevented a lot of hospitalizations and prevented a lot of deaths. There's no doubt about that. Obviously, when you do have that kind of restriction on society, there are unintended negative consequences, particularly in children who are not allowed to go to school, in the psychological and mental health aspects it has on children, in the economic stress that it puts on society in general, on individual families, 
Obviously, those are negative consequences that are unintended. Obviously, because I think this is the first time he's ever even mentioned the trade-offs. I've never heard him say, obviously, there are bad things that will happen from this. And notice he can't even help himself. The little health Stalinist knows that the propaganda is the primary purpose of his appearances on television. So he says, I don't like the term restrictions. What the hell do you how call you limiting yeah. how many people can be in a bar, you little idiot? What what do you call making people mask up between bites on planes? You know, this is why he loved that term, mitigation, for so long. And people after a while were like, wait, why? First of all, you're not even mitigating anything. And the biggest contention, I think, is exactly that, where he says there's no doubt that a lot of cases were prevented and a lot of lives were I don't saved buy that by, at all. by lockdowns. There's yeah. actually nothing but doubt. He yes. has no proof, no evidence, no data whatsoever to support his point of view. So really what you have is there's a little light bulb going off over Fauci's head where it's like, oh, my God, there's all this horrible stuff that happened that I made people do by pretending I had the answers. And there was no upside, only downside, only misery and death and destruction in addition to that created by the virus. And what is interesting to me about this answer, you and I have been talking about, hey, in the years ahead, how are we going to have a reckoning over the disastrous decision to lock down the country? And one answer is, well, the midterms. In November, all of you listening have to go out and vote. Everybody you know you have to convince to go vote. There has to be significant consequences for everyone who advocated for lockdowns, who kept your kids out of school, who kept your kids in masks, who didn't allow your business to be run. That was a failure of American public policy, the biggest failure of American public policy in many of our lives, certainly since Vietnam. And I think, honestly, at this point, it's, it's, it's worse than Vietnam, which is meaning for most of the 20th century, and the 21st century now, we've never made a worse public policy decision. But Buck, what I find interesting about that answer is, he said we'll never know for sure. He's not even trying to argue in favor of lockdowns already. He is implicitly acknowledging that they didn't make sense when he is the foremost proponent of lockdowns. And what I found so significant about that clip, Buck, is he's not even trying to argue that we had to do it anymore which is the first step towards what is eventually going to happen. What I've been predicting, I know we've been talking about this. The first thing that happens is people who were the biggest proponent of lockdowns start to say, well, we'll never really know whether it was the right choice. When you stop arguing it was the right choice, you are implicitly acknowledging it was the wrong choice, and you're trying to jump off uh, right. jump off the and, lockdown well, train. But, and the reason they do that is to create the distance from it. So then the switch is... It was a consensus. I, I didn't push That's, for lockdowns. That, right. It was a conversation. Right. It was Individual the committee. Responsibility you could say. is taken away mm. as the next step, and you say, "Well, we couldn't. We we had so much uncertainty. We had no other options." And then eventually, we will cycle to we got it right. all wrong. But yeah. I don't know how long it's going to take just, us to just, get there. But this is significant. There's no defense of lockdowns anymore. It's. A committee of one making these decisions at the NIH, folks, just so you know, anybody who's worked over there, anybody who actually has any insider access will tell you whatever Fauci decided, they all just nodded their heads. Nobody was going to nobody was going to cross him because he was on the speed dial of every cable channel except for one in America. And we all know why. So it wasn't it wasn't this collective, this guy to do his part 
for the Democrat apparatus pushed us into these disastrous policies and then allowed so and then called for social media to shut down debate of it. We're this this fight is not over and we will come back to this. We will get into this more. Big news, Buck. Wall Street Journal breaking news. U.S. and we'll talk about this when we come back because it's going to be significant. The Biden administration is officially lifting Title 42 at the border. Oh, boy. news has broken. Wall Street Journal pandemic era, era era policy will be ended on May 23rd. So the border, to the extent it's not already open, it's about to be get a ready free rain yeah. anybody can come through lawlessness and mayhem at the southern border and the Biden administration oh my we're gonna we'll dive into this stay with us the words written by our nation's founders about the value of our personal freedoms have certainly stood the test of time no wonder those words have been carefully curated all these years through generations of americans they resonate with us expressions of liberty and personal choice we experience it today differently than they did what with mask mandates big tech censorship and a constantly growing government We take on each of these adversities, fighting back in the proper ways. The liberal response to adversity is always to strike down individual liberty and implement more government. So we joined AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has worked tirelessly to push back against the left. You can tell that AMAC vows to remain steadfast through the midterms and beyond. AMAC also offers members exclusive benefits that save you money, a great magazine, and most importantly, a strong conservative voice on Capitol Hill. Stand with AMAC and us by joining today at amac.us slash freedom. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash freedom. Join AMAC today. We know boosters are critical to providing an additional level of protection. That's why I plan to get my second booster today, uh, right here after I'm done speaking. If you haven't gotten your first booster, please don't wait. Do it today. Those who are 50 and older, as well as those who are immunocompromised, can now get it, get even more protection than they have from the initial uh, first doses. We have enough supply to give booster shots to those newly eligible individuals. But if Congress fails to act, we won't have the supply we need this fall to ensure the shots are available free easily accessible for all Americans. Even worse, if we need a different vaccine for the future to combat a new variant, we're not going to have enough money to purchase it. Endless boosters, exactly what we told you they were going to push for. And here we are, Biden there just speaking. Welcome back to Clay and Buck, of course. Biden there just speaking about how he's so excited to be getting Shot number four, and you have to wonder, he's talking about the fall, so I'm going to assume, because also the boosters wane in efficacy within 60 days or so. Well, what's, yeah. So Not he's going to be on, five. I'm oh, he's going to be at number five this fall, folks. He's going to be, get fifth booster shot, it's great, it works so well. You need number six, though, for it to work real well. Can you imagine if we had said back in January on uh on our shows hey these new vaccines by march everybody's going to be on their fourth one in order for them to be effective that you would have gotten banned we're going to talk by the way to alex berenson on friday dr marty mccari tomorrow but there's no doubt buck that by the fall joe biden's going to be getting his fifth shot his fifth shot 
Here's a solution to high price of gas. How about just getting hooked up with uh, with something that makes a lot of sense? Paul in Pennsylvania says he started riding his bicycle every day he can, weather permitting. Uses the bike to run errands around town. That way he doesn't have to pay as much for his gas. But here's the deal. All that bike riding has led to pain. His solution, Relief Factor. Relief Factor has been a great help for him when it comes to the pain. And I got to tell you that my wife uses Relief Factor. She works out super hard. She's in incredible shape. But when she's gone just a little bit too hard on the workout, Relief Factor helps her recover. And so is Buck's father has seen the same thing. And you can as well. You can join the more than half million people. Order the three-week quick start for only nineteen ninety-five. Go to relieffactor.com. You can also call 800-4-RELIEF-1995. Three-week quick start developed for you. Relieffactor.com. You can also go to Relief Factor and call them as well at 800-4-RELIEF. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Tease this uh, in news for you. We've been talking about the fact that it was coming. Uh, This is from the Wall Street Journal headline, Biden administration to lift Title 42 border policy. Uh, The pandemic era policy allowing migrants to be turned away at the border will end May 23rd. So we know already, Buck, a million interactions effectively have occurred at the border already and basically halfway through the year. I mean, apprehensions, just to mean apprehensions, right? Because interactions could be legal stuff, too. I mean, these are people that are being taken into custody for violation of U.S. federal law. So once this comes to an end, uh, the government will need to consider any asylum claims made at the border, which requires, I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal, a brief detention before they can be released into the U.S. or deported. Under Title 42, any migrant asking for humanitarian protection could still be sent back to Mexico, although in practice, Mexico has limited how many people it was willing to take back. And so they are afraid at the border that they are going to be rapidly overwhelmed, and this seems very likely to happen, Buck, sooner rather than later. Again, the date, according to this, just in time for the weather conditions being good enough, right, for people to start to cross. So you can start to travel all over Latin America through April into May to make your way up to the border. It will officially end May 23rd. And and let's remember what the incentive is here for the Biden Department of Homeland Security under Mayorkas and the Biden regime at this stage. What they're going to care about, and their, their concern here is a, a replay at some level of what we had at the border uh, months back where the Haitian, what was it, about 20,000 or so, mostly Haitian yep. migrants in Texas had all gathered in one place because that was a visual manifestation of the exploitation at our border of our own laws and the lawlessness that was underway. And people, they can't hide that. You know, They tried. Remember when they tried to ban drone footage in the area? Or yes. so? They didn't want people to oh, see yeah. the full scale. So they tried to hide, and then they made the story about the horseback whipping, which wasn't whipping. It was split reins, and they're, as you've pointed out, still investigating that to get to the Six bottom months of it. Later. So they can say, oh, we're still investigating. To just That's just to run out the clock, and so everyone forgets about what they tried to do. But the Biden administration's primary concern here is going to be optics. 
if there is a massive surge of illegals to try to come across the border, what they will first and foremost want to make sure is that they process them quickly and get them into the U.S. They're fine with that. They just don't want a mass of people at the border who are coming in illegally because the American people in an election year will see that and will know what is going on. The numbers hit home, the visual of 10, 15, 20, maybe 20,000 plus people all at one place, Clay, that really sticks in people's memories about what's going on at our southern border. Also worth mentioning that it could be the case that they are eliminating any pandemic-related restriction at the border and still implementing mask mandates on airplanes, which is hard to justify, right? If things are so safe with COVID that you're doing away with COVID-era restrictions at the border, why in the world do you or I need to be wearing a mask to fly anywhere in the country? I don't know, but you're asking all these very fair-minded questions, (laughs) and and that may make Stephen Colbert want to ask for a special slap exception against you. We'll see. I, I was really surprised to, to see that this happened because you know, Buck, as well as I do, that everything is written when it comes to these late night shows. And obviously Will Smith smacking Chris Rock has gotten a lot of attention. And then you have Stephen Colbert, who by the way, getting beaten now by uh the uh Gutfeld show on a regular basis in the evening, the most watched evening show uh on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox News is now on Fox News. More people are watching Gutfeld in the evening than are watching Stephen Colbert, who had been winning the nightly contest. Uh, He said, hey, you know, Fox News Channel's Peter Ducey, he deserves a slap for asking about Russia. Listen to this. President Biden held a press conference, and he was asked uh, a ridiculous question by a ridiculous man, Fox News reporter, and that one kid in high school who wears a suit to gym class, Peter Ducey. (laughs) Jimmy, uh, drop the deuce. When you said a chemical weapon used by Russia would trigger a response in kind. It will trigger a significant response. What does that mean? I'm not going to tell you. Why would I tell you? you got to be silly. (laughs) Remember... Yes. Remember how on last night's show I said that slapping is never, ever the answer? <laughs> I'd like to file a one-time exemption on behalf of the President of the United States. This is so, so be slap it, Buck, for asking a question which is 100% a, a valid question. Like, why would you yeah. not want the President to answer a question? You may not answer it. That's fine. But you should, as a journalist, be asking what is a significant response to chemical weapons going to look like? I mean, that's a that's the number one question. If I if I told you, Buck, yeah. hey, if I tell one of my kids, hey, there's going to be a significant response if you don't uh, don't follow directions when it comes to uh, to to take care of your brother. It's the natural response of the kid to be like, okay, what's a significant response? I mean, that's the number one question that should be asked. It's actually and worse it's than that, though, ridiculous. because what he said initially. It's they're making fun of Ducey for asking for clarification is, oh, yeah, like we would tell you he was asking for the clarification because the initial Biden gaffe, which they admitted was a gaffe because they walked yes. it back right away, was respond in kind. 
if someone meaning if, if you, you were say respond if you stab me yeah. i'm going to stab you back that is responding in kind yes. and when you're talking about chemical weapon usage that's what that phrase would mean now this is one of three things biden said although i will say the the only one that i thought and they did walk it back to but was a little when he said you'll see with your own eyes the polish i mean the uh, ukrainian people who are going to stand up against the russians I mean, you know, you could say that that he could see it on on the news or whatever. So that one, I thought the big problem was obviously the regime change comment about how Putin can't stay in power. That was the biggest. But this one about chemical weapons was also clearly sloppy. But notice what's happened here. This is just, you know, cleanup crew on uh, on aisle. Oh, my God. Joe Biden just said something again. (laughs) You have Colbert making it seem as though the person who's trying to, in this case, uh, Ducey at Fox, trying to get clarity and therefore accountability for a blundered statement from the president. The person asking the question is the problem, not the clearly not up for the job senile commander in chief who is making these gaffes. Uh, he's not the problem. That's the whole point of this. And that's what he tries to achieve with with uh, with laughter. They're just propagandists for the regime. I mean, it, it's it's gross. It's un, it's unseemly what Colbert and these others do. And under the banner of comedy? Ha, 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 yeah. Whatever whatever makes us the most effective toadies for the Biden regime. It's not funny. This is also unseemly. O.J. Simpson, who killed two people in cold blood with a knife and got away with it, Buck, he weighed in on Will Smith's slap and said, no, that was inappropriate. Listen. It was unfortunate. I, I, I think Will was wrong. Look. I understood the feeling. Now, uh, in my life, I've been through a lot of crap, and I was raising two young kids, and every comedian in the country had an OJ routine, and don't think I wouldn't want to be slapped a couple of those guys, but you got to accept it's it's humor, and I didn't even think that was all that egregious. I thought it was a semi-unfunny joke, but I don't know. I don't get it. I know this. After what happened to me in Las Vegas? If I would have done that in front of a billion people watching around the world, they would have given me life without. I'm just saying. Right. Well, well, to be fair, Will Smith didn't step on stage with a you know bloody knife butcher knife. and stab people to death. By the way, I've heard this buck. I was out in Vegas, you know, for the NCAA tournament. I was out to dinner. There are women throwing themselves at OJ, like desperate to date him desperate to sleep with him young women according to the people that i was with yes and you heard the music in the background there of oj is evidently out and about at restaurants and clubs all the time in in las vegas where he lives now and he is swarmed by good-looking young girls who want to be with oj simpson if you if you're listening to me right now and you're like how upside down is the world can you imagine if you got a call from your 22-year-old daughter who was in Las Vegas, and you're like, hey, who are you hanging out with? She's like, O.J. Simpson, he's such a great guy. This is how upside down the world is. Either these girls are all so stupid that they don't even know he committed double murder, or they think because he's famous, he's certainly not rich because they took all his assets, but they think because he's famous they want to spend time with him. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it, but they swear that it's true, Buck. So I, I just I, – I know we got a lot of listeners, by the way, heard that we are now number one in our time slot in Las Vegas. So some of you out there who are listening to this right now, 
uh, definitely I mean, maybe saying to yourself, hey, I've seen OJ out and he's pulling lots of tail. I you mean, know what it's they crazy say- to think about, but that might be the world we live in, Buck. You know what they say in Vegas, Clay? Always bet yeah. on Clay and Buck. <laughs> it also doesn't always stay in Vegas if you get stabbed to death by OJ. Just a tip for those girls out there. Uh, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has accomplished so much in their support of America's heroes and their families ever since they were started. You've been introduced to them years ago as you learned they're providing mortgage-free homes to families of our first responder and military families in need. What a tremendous gift and act of generosity thanks to your donations and ongoing support. By the way, you guys have given over $5 million to tunnel the towers to help them take care of the people who protect us. And right now, for injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel the Towers is building mortgage-free smart homes, enabling our most severely injured heroes to live more independent lives. And thanks to Operation Homebase, Tunnel the Towers is gifting tiny homes to homeless veterans. Our nation's heroes, people who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities every day need your help. Help these heroes and their families join Tunnel the to Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Welcome back into Clay and Buck. Closing up the shop today. Man, parting is such sweet sorrow, folks, but we will be with you tomorrow. We certainly look forward to that. If you missed any part of what we're talking about here, please go back to the podcast of the Clay and Buck Show. iHeart app, a a great place to get it. You can download it free, listen to all kinds of stuff there, music and uh, and other things. So please do check out the iHeart app. And I want to know, we just had had Stephen Colbert call for the slap Slap exception for, for a journalist uh do because remember the libs don't want anybody to ask real questions of biden they they don't want this this bothers them they pretend they want journalism they actually don't want journalism democrats don't want that and, and then there was this which i think people were saying felt almost like john stewart now now john stewart has has been a, a propagandist for the left for a very long time i mean he is a a huge lib and it really kind of created an art form or built this art form of comedy political commentary as a form of propaganda where you don't have to really answer for what you say because ha 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 man i'm just making jokes it's puppets on this show before i come on the air you know because he had the crank yanker show whatever um that's that's the way that he was doing things for a long time and now he's kind of back i guess with an apple plush did you see some of this clay the apple yeah i saw the clips i don't know how to it's getting to the point now buck where i really feel like an old man i can't sometimes find shows anymore Right. Like I've got I feel like we've got every different service we're signed up for, but there's so many different places. I can't even find things. So I don't even know how to find the John Stewart show, but I've seen the clips. Here's what he says about, uh, well, you know, this is the, there's a whole the problem with white people is, of course, John Stewart's white. But the problem with yes. which plenty of white liberals love to do this whole I'm fighting against white supremacy thing. It's virtue signaling. It's pathetic. It's what they do. Um, but here you go, John Stewart, showing how wokeness doesn't even really make sense. And after you're a multimillionaire benefiting from the system, tens of millions of dollars paid to be a Democrat shill, you go on this show now and say the following. Play clip nine. I think the conversation is then this. We have an awful history. It's it's remnants are still. We also have today. a great history, John. Say it again. We also have a great history. But I think you're minimizing it. 
you're suggesting that because I think by of, calling yeah. today white supremacy, you are minimizing actual white supremacy. We have an incredible diversity to condemn all American it's history not, as I, racist. I, I disagree that they're generalizing all white people. The systems that were racist that were put in place. That systems. Yes. The systems that were put in place. I'd like you to explain exactly what they are. Well, I thought I explained it earlier about the GI Bill and about that's what, the that's, New that's Deal. Very that's one thing. I want to know about these systems. I just explained it. Housing. That's food, one. And I've agreed that. Andrew, you're not living on the same planet we are. Honestly. No, I really don't think you are. I think you are not living. I think you are not living in the planet most Americans are. By the way, I mean, Andrew Sullivan, of course, I think is, is speaking sense here. This whole this this obsession with talking about how white supremacist America is today, it, it never actually sustains itself as an argument when it's subjected to any criticism. And then you do what, what John Stewart does. You start cursing and, oh, you just don't you just don't want to have a conversation. You don't want to have a conversation about racism. The number one response that I would have. For anybody out there that finds themselves in these conversations, like John Stewart, you know, where there is a white liberal that wants to tell you that America is an awful place and rooted in white supremacy, just say what is true. America does not have a perfect history. No person or entity has a perfect history, right? Let's be clear. But if America was a fundamentally white supremacist nation today, how do Asian men make more money than anybody else in the country? This would be a huge failure of white supremacy, right? That we would allow Asian minorities, men, to arrive in this country and earn more than anyone else, any other ethnic group, which is true. And there isn't a response, right? They don't have a response because that is tangible evidence of the fact that America is not a white supremacist country because Asian people, Asian men in particular, in this modern era, are more successful economically than any group of people in America. Clay, Nigerian immigrants to America make more per capita than uh, white Americans born in this country. Nigerian immigrants. So again, a a, a fascinating failure of the, quote, white supremacist system that we're all supposed to be living in all the time. But this has become really a religious obsession for the left. I mean, this is their their worldview is that we are all soaked in this country in this constant white supremacy. And it's something we're going to have to continue to dissect and pull apart and and address because, well, what is the alternative? We're all supposed to sit here and you're supposed to apologize. Apologize to whom and for what? What is the answer? the, The alternative is what they're trying to create. I really believe this is a system whereby you destroy the entire foundation of America. The Constitution is not legitimate because there were white supremacists, there were slave owners yep. who wrote it, the Declaration of Independence. All of it, the foundational document, documents of our country, are, in their view, so stained by uh, historical neglect and error as it pertains to race that they shouldn't exist anymore. They want to destroy the foundation of this country. Mm. I really do believe that's the essence of what they're attempting. And we want to defend the foundation and the greatness <laughs> yes. of this country and save the country as much as possible. And all of you listening are helping us. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 